0: So, back in June, there were four teenagers in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, who took being neighborly to the extreme. Uh, 90-year-old Caroline Ritchie, sorry, Catherine Ritchie's house caught fire, and she found herself trapped inside. And the four teenage boys were next door playing video games, oddly enough, uh, when they smelled burnt rubber and decided to stick their head out the window and saw that their next-door neighbor's house was on fire. And so... Two of the boys notified nine one one and then were running to all their other neighbors to notify them that hey there's a fire close by and you just need to be careful and make sure that you're aware of what's going on and then the other two actually broke into her house where they found her collapsed in the hallway because she couldn't get out of the smoke um, had the boys not insisted on coming in and, and quite frankly uh, doing something that was probably very scary and also technically illegal uh, she would have died and so Yes, it is an extreme example, but it shows us that at times being neighborly requires us to have courage and to get over our fears that separate us from doing that. In Luke 7, uh, 37 through 50, we have a really interesting story. It's one that I love. It's one that is much speculated about. Um, and it, it goes like this. So again, Luke 7, 37 through 50. It says, A woman in that town who had lived, in a, sin- who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Who even forgives sins. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now we're going to take this passage a little bit in a little bit different direction than uh, is normally done with it. But this woman shows one of the greatest acts of being neighborly in the entire Bible, right? She went well out of her way to show love to Jesus because she had heard of who he was and just felt like he was owed this debt of gratitude. Now, being neighborly requires us to take courage, okay? That's something that we all have to understand. At times, being neighborly requires us to take courage. I've had conversations uh, around this church with multiple people that have just flat out told me, hey, having a conversation with another human being that I don't know terrifies me. Like, there's nothing I am more afraid of than getting outside of my comfort zone and and, and having to try to build that relationship. I was born with a great gene. I call it the I don't care gene. Uh, I don't really care if people like me or not. Now, that sounds kind of bad, but it helps me out a lot because I can approach somebody and think to myself, if they end up not liking me, I'll be okay, right? Right? I'll be okay. But for some people, that's not how it works. Like, they're just petrified by having that interaction. And what if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? What if this person doesn't like me? What if they just, what if, what if, what if, what if? And it can petrify us out of being the neighbors that we're supposed to be. The young woman in the passage, she threw caution to the wind. Now, it tells us that she lived a sinful life. Uh, Now, there's been much speculation on what that life could be. And and just frankly, there's not really any room for that uh, based on the scripture. There's no room for speculation on who she was or what she did. We're just told that she lived a sinful life. And if you knew culture back then, that would be enough for you to know that she uh, would not have been welcome in the setting that she was in. What we do know, okay, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that being a sinful woman would have put her on the outside of this circle of Pharisees and religious law teachers and technically should have Jesus. But she completely ignored this, okay? She completely ignored this. And she understood what she was facing, right? She knew that they could have completely turned their nose up at her being there. In fact, it seems like everyone else but Jesus had done that. She knew that they could... um, have, you know, just this terrible outlook on her. They could have ruined her day. They could have brought up the sin. They could have belittled her and made her feel shame and, and just torn her down. She, she faced all of this and, and and wasn't afraid to do what she thought was right. She was in no way surprised by this action. And, And here's the thing, like she was kissing Jesus's feet and weeping on his feet and wiping her feet with his tears. And That's like one of the dirtiest jobs you could have was to clean someone's feet in this day because they all wore sandals, right? And so their feet were exposed to the elements all day long. And so it's not just like, you know, Jesus pulled off his boots and they looked pristine and he had just had a pedicure. Like, I'm guessing that Jesus's feet were kind of nasty, even him being Jesus. Everyone else in that room would have turned up their nose at just being touched by her. Just being touched by her. And here Jesus is allowing her, while he's having this conversation with religious leaders of his day, he's allowing this woman to go about this task that she feels like she's been called to do and she feels like Jesus deserves. And it's just her way, knowing that she's a sinful woman, knowing that she's on the outside, knowing that she's an outcast, it's her way to show that she loves the people around her. And it required her to take courage in order to do that. She was in no way surprised by the reaction. That I can guarantee. You know what happened? She ignored it. She might have inconvenienced them. She ignored them. She might have been rejected. She ignored that too. I'm sure entering the room was very uncomfortable for her. And you know what? She ignored it. The perfume that she used was extremely expensive. A year's wages. She ignored it. Her performing this neighborly act of love towards Jesus required her to step outside her comfort zone in almost every single way. And it came at great personal cost to her and it could have gotten her nothing. It could have gotten her nothing. And yet she did what she thought was right anyways. She did what she knew was right anyways. Sometimes being a good neighbor requires us to get outside of our comfort zone. It requires us to give up some of our funds. It requires us to give up our precious time. It requires us to get past our fears, to get past the fear of rejection, to get past the fear of having that conversation, to get past the awkwardness that no one likes. But being a good neighbor requires us to throw caution to the wind and say, I am going to serve because I know that it's right. And so I will do because I know that that's what God wants from me. Being neighborly requires us to be courageous to say that, Hey, you know what? I'm going to act. I'm going to do something. Even if it doesn't go my way, even if the results aren't great, what's going to help us get to that place. Something that I have discovered about life that uh, for me personally has made my life easier when being neighborly, when living life, it's not about you. And you know what? It's also not about them. It's not about you. And it's not about them. Colossians 3:17 says, "And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him." See, life becomes easier when you realize that it's not about you. Life and being neighborly becomes easier when again you realize that it's not about you. It becomes even easier, I think, when you realize that it's not necessarily about them. It's not it's not about serving them. Serving them is a great thing. It's a great way to show them love, but in the end, We should be doing everything we do to honor Jesus. Everything that we do on a daily basis should be an act of thanksgiving, right? God has blessed me, and because God has blessed me, I will want blessings to radiate from me, not so that I can gain from it, not so that even others can gain from it, but so that people can see how glorious, how awesome, how powerful, how loving my God is. And so when we realize that we are acting on behalf of God and for God, to me, I think that that makes life just a little bit easier. Being neighborly, when you are a Christian, just like living life, is all about honoring Jesus. We have to honor Jesus in absolutely everything you do. And this is, here, here's the thing, mindset matters, Mindset Matters. This is one of those crazy things that kind of just worked out for me this morning, but I was watching the show with Cordelia, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen Brain Games, It's kind of, but it's like this childhood version of Brain Games, where it kind of teaches you about some of the tricks that your brain pulls on you. And so one of the things they did, they gave six people this magazine, and they said, hey, we want you to flip through this magazine in six seconds and count how many pictures are in the whole entire magazine. And so they asked all six, do you think that this is possible, or do you think that this is impossible? Three people responded that it was possible. Three people responded that it was impossible. The people who said it was impossible, none of them got the answer right. The people that said it was possible, all three got the answer right. Listen to this. So they're flipping through the pages, right? On page two in big, bright, beautiful letters, it says, stop flipping pages. There's 48 pictures within the magazine. And the three people who had the mindset that it could be done, the three people who said, I can do this, we're able to read that and connect it with their thought of it's possible and get the right answer. The three people who had told themselves, it's impossible. I can't do it. It can't be done. It's too hard for me. None of them got it right. All of them missed that. When we look at life, what is our mindset? How do we think about things? When we talk about being neighborly, do we look at this as this is something that I can do, this is possible? Or do we look at it and say, this is impossible. It's hard for me. I've never been great with human connections. I'm terrified to talk to strangers. I just am worried about everything backfiring. What if I step out and try to help somebody and they get mad at me for it because they didn't need my help and I misread the situation? What if this? What if that? What if I give this person money and I need it later? Like We can come up with a million scenarios of why we shouldn't help when we should help. But when we're neighborly, it's all about mindset. And it's important to be neighborly on purpose and with a purpose. Give that homeless person a few bucks and pray with them. Talk to them about Jesus. Help your neighbor rake leaves and let them know that you feel like God wanted you to bless them. Hey, Joe, I had a great time today doing this. I know raking leaves isn't the most fun thing, but I felt like God wanted me to do this and to just kind of be a blessing, and hopefully it was a blessing to you, but hey, thanks for spending time with me. I had a good time. Be a blessing to others, okay, as a thank you to all that God has blessed you with. When it becomes more about what you can do for Jesus and less about how it does or doesn't benefit you, it not only becomes easier to be a good neighbor, but it becomes more authentic. It comes from a more authentic place. People stop questioning, why did they help me? You ever have somebody help you and you kind of wondered about their motives? Why are they doing this? What are they looking to get out of it? What if what we were looking to get out of it was just to honor God? What if what we were looking to get out of it was just to show people that they're loved and that there's a God out there who sees them in their time of need and that that God has followers who share his heart and want to help in those times as need as well. I understand that it can be difficult. I understand that it can be scary. I was voted most outgoing in high school because of that I don't care gene, right? I'd bounce off walls and introduce myself to people and carry on conversations even when they didn't want any part of it, right? Some of that stuff is easy for me. What's not easy for, easy for me, eating normal portions, right? We all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. That was a joke, we could laugh. We said he did. Too many people were like, you really do. You should get a handle on that. Right? But we all have things. I'm sorry. That was distracting. We all have things, right, that we're good at and things that we're bad at. And sometimes doing the things that we have to do requires us to get over the things that we're bad at. Right? It requires us to say, even though I'm not good at this, I'm going to do it anyways. Jericho's not in here, so I'll talk about her. Jericho is terrified to death of any insect. Okay. And if you tease her with that I'm warning two things. One, she might kick you in the face, okay? Two, she'll kill me. So I would appreciate that not happening. But there's two specific. There's the walking stick and there's the praying mantis. For whatever reason, those two things drive her up the wall, okay? We almost wrecked one time on the highway, Somehow reason there was a praying mantis on her windshield and she took both hands off the wheel and screamed and I had to grab the wheel to keep us on the road. Not an exaggeration. One time we're riding down the Frisco Trail that's out in Willard and goes forever, uh, riding bikes down it, just having a good time hanging out. She sees a praying mantis. How? I don't know. I didn't see it. She takes off and she's like three miles away from me before I know what happens. Right? I'm like, what was that about? I can't even talk about it. Right? She's terrified. And I will say this. I don't know if it's because the rest of us just don't notice it, but I've never seen anybody in my entire life who has seen so many of these things that she's terrified of. It may just be because she's always on high alert and she's looking for them, but literally every summer, it's like 10 of each. And, and it's just nuts. Our kids like to go outside. They like to play. I know this is like an offset crazy example, but I, when I tell you she's terrified, like I mean hyperventilating, like needs help to get over it, like I have to go seek and destroy whenever these things are present, Okay. But she, to benefit our children, will get over that fear and take them outside in our backyard or take them to a park or take them on a hike through the woods or do whatever else because it's something that they need, it's something that they want, it's something that they enjoy. And even though she's terrified the entire time and I can feel her anxiety and she's on high alert the entire time, she's not having the most fun. She puts on a happy face and she does it because she knows that it's benefiting them and it's what they want. You know, we live in a society today that says, "Don't fake it until you make it." It's okay to to not be okay, and that is true. I wanna I wanna be very clear. It is okay to not be okay, and it is okay to express those feelings. But there is something to say for to, for someone who can overcome the things that are kind of pushing them down and and pushing the hold with holding them back from completing a task. There's something to say for people who are experiencing that and can push through anyways. I don't know if you kind of agree with me on that, but I know that being interactive with people for some is so terrifying. And some of us have really legitimate reasons. All of us may have really legitimate reasons that feel that way. Okay, but to be godly, to be Christians, we have talked about it, when the two most important things are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and love our neighbors as ourself, sometimes it's going to require us to overcome those things that just hold us back. And the last thing I would say is this, and it's kind of a lesson we learned from Jesus in this passage. Don't discriminate. Don't discriminate. Would it surprise any of you if I told you that Jesus, uh, our poster boy, our Christian mascot, so to speak, the person that we are, the captain of our team, that's better, not our, not our mascot the captain of our team, would it surprise any of you for me to tell you that Jesus is a good neighbor? I wouldn't think so. It shouldn't, right? In a room full of religious men who were so focused on the sin instead of loving the sinner, Jesus stood up for the least of these. It was the one person in the room that would have been undesirable Granted, probably the Pharisees were in that category as well and didn't even realize it. But the one thing that everyone would have had in common is that she should not have been there. She did not need to be helped. She did not need to be appreciated. She did not need to be loved. She did not need to be forgiven. She has lived her life the way she's lived her life, and she deserves whatever she has coming to her. And so it would be really easy for us to take that mindset, but... We have to live by Jesus' example. See, being neighborly isn't about only serving those that society deems as palatable, right? Being neighborly isn't about just serving those that the rest of society says, well, it would be okay to help them, right? We can't help the single mother and not help the homeless guy. Not gonna like this either. We can't help the disabled veteran And not help the immigrant. And I'm not trying to be political at all. I'm just saying that we have to stop looking at things as or, or either. We either help them or we help them. We help him or we help her. It's not about that. That's not how we approach life. Not as Christians. It's we help them because they are God's creation. We help them because our God says they have worth. We help them because even despite of our laws, even despite of what is right and what is wrong, I'm required to step outside of my comfort zone and love somebody. And love somebody. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying we shouldn't be helping anybody. Okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that there's any one group that should take a back seat to any other. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if we follow Jesus' example, we have everybody on the same pedestal. The people we like, the people we don't like, the people that can help us, the people that can't help us, the people who we question if they really need our help and the people that we know really need our help. It's not our job to decipher between those things. It's to see people as God sees people, as a wonderfully and beautifully created creation that he gave his son to die for. And in the end, being neighborly is all about serving people because that's what God wants us to do. And it's about serving others because God has served us. Luke six thirty two through 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Right? That's easy. That's easy. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners Expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. And we can take that word enemies out and we can put anything else in it. But love Sarah. Love Janine. Love Phil and his crazy ideas. Not that Phil. That was a bad word. I was trying to pick names that we didn't have a lot of connections to. <laughs> love you, Phil. Uh, you know, pick whatever else. Put in a group. Put in a single name. Put in your neighbor who's annoying the you know what out of you, who's raking up their leaves and dumping it on your side of the fence right? Love, 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 no matter what, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything about because that's not what it's about. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. I would say be neighborly just as your father is neighborly. Be neighborly just as Jesus is neighborly. Listen to the Holy Spirit when it's trying to lead you down the path of being a good neighbor. And remember, you're not just a neighbor to those that live around you. You're a neighbor to all of creation because that's what God requires of us. You can be a neighbor to anyone that you choose to be a neighbor to. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I hope that these three weeks have been beneficial uh, for everyone that's been here to uh, hear these messages. God, I I've tried to take myself completely out of it and just let your word speak and let the spirit lead me on these Sunday mornings. God, I've gotten so much out of this time myself and I just want that to be uh, the truth for everyone. Lord, there's so much to be said for the fact that when you talk about the two greatest commandments, you list being neighborly as one of them. Loving others as we love ourselves as being one of them, as, as, as being the most important thing that we can do. And God, I pray that as people, it's so easy to look at others and to nitpick and to find reasons why we just don't quite get along or, or there's a mix match in personalities and we just don't blend real well together. But God, even in those times, in those situations, you don't excuse us from showing love to those people. You don't say be neighborly when it's easy. You don't say be neighborly when it's fun. You don't say be neighborly. When we benefit, you just tell us to be neighborly. You tell us to to love one another no matter what. So God, help us to see people and to put people on an even pedestal, to just have everybody in group one, to, to look on others with love regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what we may think about them or think about their situation. Help us to have your heart and to be your hands and your feet. Because in the end, It's not about what we can do for others. It's not about what others can do for us. It's about how we can honor the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. In the end, God, Christian, non-Christian, our world would be a better place if number one on our list of things to do would be to love one another as we love ourselves. Help us to be a church that puts that on the forefront and that makes that our priority. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.